0: GOSH Pods, paediatric educational podcast series from Great Ormond Street Hospital. GOSH Pods are brought to you by the GOSH Learning Academy. So, Welcome back to the Great Ormond Street educational podcast series. My name is Sarah Waraich and today we're joined by Dr. James Davidson again and we're going to talk about hypoglycemia.
1: Great, thank you very much for having me back again.
0: So how do we begin to approach hypoglycemia?
1: So I think um, hypoglycemia is a very common um, presentation commonly seen in children, Um, and really what we're aiming to do um, is to identify those children who have got either a metabolic cause or potentially an endocrine cause for their low blood sugar. Um, I think a a good starting point is trying to define what we mean by hypoglycemia, low blood glucose levels, and there's a lot of debate about an absolute cut-off value. Um, We know that normally we maintain our blood sugar in a very tightly controlled range, between 3.5 up to 6.5 mmol per litre, and we have very um, tight control systems that that monitor and manage our blood glucose levels. Um, levels at which we actually define hypoglycemia, typically um, a, a value of less than or equal to 2.7 millimol per litre should certainly prompt us to be investigating a child, um, but a child who has got persistent levels less than 3 would certainly warrant us to be investigating, depending on the, the clinical context. Um I suppose that the hypoglycemia can present in a number of different clinical contexts. One of those contexts could be a neonate who has recurrent hypoglycemia. Um, And in that situation, it's very important to consider what the the differential could be and to um, consider if there may be hyperinsulinism, um, congenital hyperinsulinism. That's not going to be the focus of what we're talking about today. Um, But certainly any neonate who's got a high glucose requirement, who's got frequent hypoglycemia, um, we need to be considering that and getting advice from our colleagues from the endocrine team appropriately. Um, The the time that the, the child may present with hypoglycemia and we're thinking about a metabolic disorder often isn't in that immediate neonatal period, but a bit later on. And one context could be where a child who's otherwise well, who's started to spread out their feeds um, a little bit so they're not feeding every two or three hours but going slightly longer but then is presenting with hypoglycemia. Uh, Is a a typical presentation for certain metabolic disorders such as the glycogen storage disorders where they have a short fasting tolerance and so once their normal feed pattern is spreading out they may then present with with low blood sugar levels. Um, I think any child who presents with hypoglycemia Thing we need to talk around is how we screen and investigate those with a hypoglycemia screen and those um, standard bloods that need to be obtained um, at the time of presentation to try and help us differentiate these different um, potential causes. So I think it'd be useful if perhaps we talked around that hypo screen. I think that sounds be, good. Yeah. What would be needed? So. Um, if it's possible, if a child who's presented in is hypoglycemic, if it's safe to get blood investigations at the time that they're hypoglycemic, it's really helpful for us to then differentiate and understand what's going on. So if it's safe and if it's possible to collect blood samples before we correct the hypoglycemia, um, it's important to, to try to get those samples. Uh, the critical samples that we need to get would be a true lab glucose to confirm the hypoglycemia. And then we want to collect at that time some endocrine investigations. And the key tests that we need to send off would be an insulin level, um, a cortisol level, um, C-peptide, and potentially growth hormone and insulin-like growth factor 1. So those would be the endocrine tests that we would obtain at the time that the child is hypoglycemic. Um, Those are important because we would want to see if a child is hypoglycemic, that the insulin is low, it should be suppressed. Insulin normally works to control high blood glucose levels, and if your glucose levels are low, the body should have switched off the insulin levels. And so if you have an inappropriately raised insulin at the time of hypoglycemia, that is suggestive of a form of hyperinsulinism. Uh, We would also want to see the cortisol level. We expect to see in the stress situation the cortisol level should be high, And a child who's not mounting an adequate cortisol response to being hypoglycemic needs to be investigated for potentially um, adrenal insufficiency. And again, that would be a part of the endocrine workup. And similarly, the growth hormone um, parameters are important because some children with um, impairments of the growth hormone axis can also present with hypoglycemia. So those are the, the endocrine tests, but also at the same time we want to collect some metabolic tests as well and ideally again at the time of the hypoglycemia and those tests would be um, a lactate level and then looking at the free fatty acids and ketone bodies so uh, some labs term that the free fatty acids or non-esterified fatty acids um, and looking at beta-hydroxybutyrate which is one of the ketone bodies Um, those are important to look at because they tell us what the body is doing with fat so, if you fasted for a long time and the body's used up all its glycogen stores from the liver, we then switch over to using fat and lipolysis takes place. That's the breakdown, the mobilization of fat. And you would expect to see a high free fatty acid level if the child is hypoglycemic, um, to tell us that the body is switching on the stores of fat to, to use those as an alternative um, source of um, energy. And you would also expect to see that the fat is then being used and processed properly and so that's why we want to measure the beta hydroxybutyrate one of the ketone bodies they are the output or one of the outputs from fatty acid oxidation and so if you have a problem with fatty acid oxidation you may see that the fatty acids are high because they're being mobilized from fat but they're, they're not being processed properly and so if you have low ketones you're hypoketotic in the context of low blood sugar levels that's suspicious for a fatty acid oxidation okay. defect. So those are some of the tests we want to acquire. The other test that we would also want on the Hypo screen uh, would be a blood spot carnitine profile. That helps us in the further interpretation of potential fatty acid oxidation problems um, and we would also want to collect a urine sample to check for the presence of ketones with a simple dipstick but also to send for urine organic acids. Now collecting that urine sample, we're not going to wait for that sample before we correct the hypoglycemia, but the next urine that's passed, which will have been the urine that's been sitting in the bladder, is the important sample to collect. So those are the, the hypo screens. So just to recap that, the endocrine tests, insulin, C-peptide, cortisol, growth hormone parameters, and the metabolic tests are the lactate, free fatty acids, ketones, beta-hydroxybutyrate, urine organic acids, and the carnitine profile. Um, they're the critical samples to collect at the time of the hypoglycemia. There are other tests that we would want to collect as well that could wait until you've corrected the hypoglycemia. So it's important to know what the, the liver function tests are because a child with liver um, failure can present with hypoglycemia. Um, again, an pneumonia, which we've talked about previously, is important to check um, and potentially the plasma amino acids as well. But those could be done um, with a second round of, of blood tests.
0: Okay, thank you. And to clarify, mm. how low should, should the sugar be when you do all of these tests?
1: So um, again, the, the cutoff that we've said of having a sugar of 2.7 mmol per litre or less is going to be um, uh, important in interpreting the particularly the, the, the insulin levels. Um, however, if you've got a child who's got a sugar that we've measured on the ward that's less than three, um, it's important to try and take the samples at that point. Um, and when we then interpret that with the lab glucose levels, we'll be able to understand exactly what's going on um, again as we said at the beginning it's important that it's safe to collect these samples and if the if it's difficult to get them um, actually it's clinically more important to correct the hypoglycemia and treat the child and then we can always plan further investigations electively um, okay. but if it's possible to get them they're very helpful in the interpretation of, of that episode.
0: Okay so this brings us on to the differential diagnosis mm-hmm. for hypoglycemia what would you how would you suggest we approach that?
1: So I think, as we said, there's a broad range of different um, problems that can cause hypoglycemia. And the child who particularly is having recurrent episodes, where it's not just a single episode, uh, we would be thinking, could there be either an endocrine cause or a, a metabolic cause? And um, We've mentioned some of the endocrine causes, the hyperinsulinism, the adrenal insufficiency, uh, that side, I'll leave that for others to talk about in more detail. But from the metabolic side, um, the differential diagnosis is quite broad. Um, And it's useful to think about how, um, what point during fasting is the the hypoglycemia occurring because the timing of the hypoglycemia in relation to fasting helps us unpick a little bit about which of the disorders um, it could be. The child has got a very short fasting tolerance. We are thinking about the glycogen storage disorders. And we think about that because um, once you've been fed, initially your blood glucose is maintained from the sugar that's being absorbed from the food. When you're fasting for a few hours and there isn't any food being absorbed directly, the first source of new glucose is, is the glycogen stores in the liver. And so if you've got a disorder that affects how you can get glucose back from glycogen, one of the glycogen storage disorders, that's going to present after just a few hours of fasting. And in that context, the glycogen storage disorders, you may have a child who's got recurrent hypoglycemia after just a few hours of fasting, and you may find on examination that they've got some specific features such as hepatomegaly. Um, there may be other um, subtle dysmorphic features that you can see. And you may see on the blood tests that they have other features such as high lactate levels or high urate levels. Other clues that are, are going on and, and we would be investigating um, further. So that, that's the glycogen storage disorders. Further on in fasting, as we said, once you've exhausted your glycogen stores, you then switch over to using um, fat stores. And so the next group we would be considering would be the fatty acid oxidation defects, um, disorders of that affect how the body um, oxidises and how it metabolises fatty acids. The, the most well-known of those would be MCAD, um, medium chain acyl-CoA dehydrogenase deficiency, uh, which is screened for on the newborn blood spot screening test. So that one is one that most people uh, will be uh, familiar with. And um, all of the, the fatty acid oxidation defects affect one of the steps in how the body is processing and, and using the, the fatty acids. And the hallmark of those disorders will be with either prolonged fasting or if there's, the child is ill and has become catabolic, that they have hypoketotic, so low ketone levels in the context of hypoglycemia. And um, they can also have impairments of liver function as a secondary feature. Um, And the key diagnostic test will be the carnitine profile. Um, Carnitine um, is important in how the body um, shuttles fatty acids around for metabolism. And so the carnitine profile, the different carnitines that we can see, will help us pinpoint exactly uh, which of the disorders is there. So we've talked about glycogen storage disorders, fatty acid oxidation defects. Um, there are also problems that affect gluconeogenesis, so the generation of new glucose, um, and those would be other disorders that we would be um, investigating for with some specific tests, depending on the, the context. Um, and then hypoglycemia can also present in other metabolic disorders, such as the urine organic acid disorders, um, and those other tests that we've done as part of the hyposcreen will help us differentiate um, those. But in those disorders, the organic acid disorders, there will be other features as well. So there may be metabolic acidosis, there may be um, high ammonia levels um, with, alongside the, the hypoglycemia. So that's quite a big differential diagnosis. Um, but the important thing to reiterate is that the hypoglycemia screen that's been undertaken will help us to pick out most of those disorders. Um, and, and when we've then unpacked, reviewed the child clinically, maybe undertaken some further tests, that will help us to get to the, the specific diagnosis. I think it's probably worth saying at this point that most children with hypoglycemia don't have a metabolic disorder. Most children don't have an endocrine disorder. And actually the the commonest um, context that we see hypoglycemia is in a child who's otherwise well, but who's had an intercurrent illness, maybe a gastroenteritis, has been vomiting, has had poor intake for a number of days, and then has presented lethargic and um, unwell, has been found to have a low blood sugar level, low, low blood glucose level, but with high ketones. Um, And in that context, if we exclude all of the other metabolic conditions that we've talked about with the hypoglycemia screen, and if that's occurring frequently for the child with illnesses, they would be often labeled as having ketotic hypoglycemia or idiopathic ketotic hypoglycemia, which is um, not so much a primary metabolic disorder, but a description that some children have, um, and we need to manage those accordingly.
0: Great, thank you very much. Before we move on to management, mm. can we just talk about some of the complications we need to look out for mm. with hypoglycemia and at what point we're at risk of those complications?
1: Yeah, that's a very important question. Really, the symptoms that can occur in a child with hypoglycemia um, will include a child who um, has become somewhat drowsy, and sometimes a baby that might be quite jittery. Um, if the hypoglycemia isn't corrected and if it becomes worse, Um, you may see sweating, you may see the child looking quite clammy and pale, um, and it can progress on to um, seizures as well. So seizures are a a potential complication of hypoglycemia. Um, And really the the important thing is that the hypoglycemia is A, recognised quickly, and B, that we treat it quickly. Um, In terms of the long-term problems or complications from the hypoglycemia, we wouldn't anticipate, uh, for example, a single hypoglycemic seizure if it's been treated quickly to to have any long-term um, neurological sequelae and um, that said that the neonate who's had recurrent perhaps unrecognized hypoglycemia is at risk of long-term um, neurological problems and again that's why it's important to have a low threshold for recognizing and treating the hypoglycemia um, and so really it's very much around being aware of the of the um the causes of this and also recognizing it early so that we can put management in place and um, and certainly the um recognizing the blood glucose problem early and um, by using a bedside monitor is important and um, obviously the lab results will come back and that will help us understand in detail what's going on but having the um, the blood glucose monitor at the bedside for the nurses to check early on in the, any sick child is very important as long as we understand the, the limitations of those machines that can have um, inaccuracies if they're at a low level. Sometimes families would ask about having a BM machine, or blood glucose monitor at home, um, and that would very much depend on the, on the context and diff- on the different um, disorders. And just to clarify,
0: is there a particular value of low sugar that, that we would then be seeing these symptoms or complications, or is it more about the rate of drop in sugar?
1: So some families or some children would describe symptoms at different levels and seem to have a different tolerance for low blood glucose levels. Um, and um, we would certainly... Expect to see symptoms if they were, had a very low sugar, less than 2.7. Some become or feel that they're becoming symptomatic if the sugar drops below 3 or 3.5. Um, when we're then guiding management and what levels we would be looking to maintain the blood glucose at, um, certainly a child who's got hyperinsulinism, a, a safety threshold of a glucose of 3.5 mmol per litre is the cut off for, in, in, for treatment, and for some of the metabolic disorders, again, we would either expect to use a cutoff of 3 or 3.5 to guide our, guide our management because we know that gives us a, somewhat of a safety margin in our, in our management.
0: Okay, so sugar less than 3 puts you at risk of any of these symptoms and complications and certainly less than 2.7. Yep. Great, thank you. So I appreciate the management will depend on what we think the underlying cause is, but how would you approach management in a child with hypoglycemia?
1: So I think we can divide that up into the, the immediate management of the correcting the hypoglycemia and then the, the longer-term management. And as you say, that longer-term management will very much depend on what the disorder is. Um, if you have a child who is hypoglycemic in front of you, um, then you want to, if if possible, collect the, the diagnostic tests, but then you want to be addressing the, the low glucose level. Um, if the child is is able to tolerate it, you could give some buccal glucose gel, glucogel or what used to be called hypostop, Um, or if that's not not effective, or if you have already got IV access, then you could give intravenous um, glucose bolus, 2 mils per kilo of 10% glucose will be the initial um, bolus that would be recommended. If you're giving a bolus of glucose, it's important to follow that up with an infusion, um, because there can then be a rebound hypoglycemia again afterwards. Um, The important thing, once you've undertaken either of those steps, either the glucogel or an intravenous bolus, is that you confirm that the blood glucose has improved and so you need to repeat your blood, g- blood glucose test with your bedside capillary sample within five or ten minutes to confirm that it's improved and um, and then you would escalate the infusion rates accordingly to make sure that you're maintaining normal blood glucose level um, so that's really the important thing to, to correct the hypoglycemia immediately and um, the longer term management very much depends on the on the disorder so for example, We talked about glycogen storage disorders, which have a very short fasting tolerance. And really the the primary um, uh, treatment for those and also for the fatty acid oxidation defects is to avoid prolonged fasting. And so our metabolic dietetic team will be very much involved in the management of those children. Um, Some of the children with the most severe forms of glycogen storage disease um, can't be fasted for more than maybe two hours. And so they're either having continuous feeds given as an enteral feed via um, a tube, or they're having to have very regular bolus feeds. Um, and many of those children will go on to have um, some form of feeding tube, gastrostomy to support that in the in the long term so that they can have overnight feeds. Uh, for the other disorders, fatty acid oxidation defects, they may be having a more normal um, feed. Sometimes we have to adjust the fat content, depending on the, the disorder, um, and they would have very specific guidance from the metabolic dietetic team. And again, for all of these disorders, uh, the other aspect is to consider what happens if the child becomes unwell with an infection or an illness down the line. And they would all have sick day rules for guidance on what to do if they're unwell. Um, And usually that would involve what we would term an emergency regime, so a glucose polymer feed that they would start giving either continuously or regularly at home, um, and with a low threshold to go um, to their local hospital for review if that's not being tolerated and we would hope that many of them would have some form of rapid access or open access arrangements with their local care team who will um, as well as the specialist metabolic team be a very important part of their day-to-day management and would ensure that they're um, ready and primed to help look after them in that context.
0: Thank you, that's great. So before we conclude this podcast on hypoglycemia is there anything else that you think we should know about this topic?
1: So I think as we've said really the important um, aspects of the of hypoglycemia are early recognition and early correction of any hypoglycemia and we talked about the hypoglycemia screen and that's really an important uh, part of um, the investigation of a child with hypoglycemia and it can be really helpful to get those samples if it's safe to do so at the time that they're hypoglycemic. Um, I think it would be worth saying that if a child has If you've missed that opportunity, if it wasn't possible to get those samples, uh, we would usually not recommend trying to initiate or instigate hypoglycemia until specialist advice has been sought, because sometimes that can be dangerous to to do that. Um, We would quite often undertake prolonged fasting tests um, in a controlled environment later on, but we would be very keen that the children are at least discussed with the specialist teams before that was being undertaken so that we can make sure it's safe to do so.
0: Great. Thank you very much, Dr. Davison. Thank you. Thank you for listening to GOSH Pods. If you would like more information on courses and educational opportunities offered by GOSH Learning Academy, please visit the website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and search Learning Academy or follow us on Twitter at GOSH Learn Acad.